0: Well, last week, if you remember, we began talking about a subject entitled Matters of the Heart. How many remember that? And so we began talking about matters of the heart and how if there's going to be a change in our life, it's going to happen on the inside. And so we always have to, to come back to the, the fact of if I won't change in my life. Now, I think sometimes it's good to change Things, rearrange things on the outside because it, sometimes it can be uh, something that's going on on the, on the inside. So maybe you, you start cleaning, cleaning up in a certain area you know, or, or cleaning house or, or doing certain things. But really and truly you can do all kind of number of things and you can, you know, the new hair and the new everything. But if, um, if there's no change on the inside, then there's no true lasting change. Hallelujah. And so last week we began talking. In fact, turn over to Proverbs chapter 4. We'll begin there. Lord, let every ear be anointed to hear and every heart be anointed to receive. And we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 4. In verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health and medicine to all their flesh. Verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, other translations say the forces of life. Everything that that's in life, is going to come out of your spirit. Do you know the healing actually comes out of your spirit? Now, I'm not talking about some, some goofy metaphysical something. I'm just talking about the Bible says that the, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11, then we know that this, that same spirit shall quicken or make alive your mortal body. How many of you know sometimes we just need our, our, our body to have a little good little zap in the morning? You know, just especially when you get up early and you just, you're like, oh man, I'm going to work this morning. And, um, you know, people dread Monday. And, you know, you ask them, you know, in a typical work week, what, you know, how's it going? Well, it's Monday. And in the middle of the week, they're already looking forward to Friday. So, you know, it's, it's something, though, that we need on a daily basis is the quickening of the Lord. Why? Because we need that quickening. Until we finish our work on the earth. You know, that's why we need our bodies in good working order. And, and good... Why do I believe in healing? Because I believe that I'm to do the work of the Lord. And I believe that God doesn't want... You know, look at the Lord Jesus himself. How strong he was when about the temple being cleansed. I mean, he ran people out. People think, well, meek and mild Jesus, you know. He made whips for the religious people. I mean... Sometimes you want to do that today, you know, and you know, make make some of those whips from the religious people. But, um, you know, what was it about? It was just like the sacrifices that were being offered; they were not acceptable if they were uh, had blemishes. So even if we have something wrong with our body, it's it's not the condition, you know, it's not that that God despises us, but just the condition. That's why you should despise sickness in your body. Amen. And so he says, um, health and in all their flesh, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And so what we began talking about last week was forgiveness and and unforgiveness. And how that I have to guard my heart in that area. How many know that that's something on a daily basis? Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you had an opportunity to practice that this week? <laughs> and so, we made the statement that you cannot afford to hold grudges or have any animosity or any ill will. And one of the things that we shared was this. Jesus, telling his disciples, he said this. He said, if any man shall say in this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things he says, shall come to pass... He shall have whatsoever he says. Verse uh, 24 says, What things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But then verse 25 says this, And when you stand praying, forgive. And in fact, the Bible even says, Lay your, your offering down and go make it right with your brother. You know, a lot of people are like, You know, I'm going to give a big offering and I'm going to be seen. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the front row and, you know not anybody in this church but you know people people raise their hands and but but they have things in their heart they have to get right with other people you know what the bible even says that if you if you disregard the law that even your prayer is an abomination so that means that i have to rid my heart of those things Amen. I have to always keep that attitude of forgiveness. I always have to keep that attitude of, of nothing's going to come between me and the Lord. I don't care what happened. People may run over your dog. You have to forgive them. You have to release them. It doesn't mean you're going to have supper with them the next night. But you, you just have to to let let it go. Let it drop. Can you say amen? And so we, we talked about unforgiveness. So I want to go on today and share... As like a part two, about areas that I must guard my heart in. And even as I'm speaking right now, you you have an opportunity to guard your mind. See, people talk talk about spiritual warfare. Let me tell you where spiritual warfare is. It's going on right now, trying to distract you from what's being preached. Amen. That's true spiritual warfare. Not something in the heavenlies, but something that's between people's ears. Amen. And so, this morning, what we're going to talk about is one of the most insidious things that you could talk about. Something that I have to protect my heart from on a daily basis. In fact, it's part of what we would call the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. I mean, no, that's an unholy trinity. You know, what's most, co- a lot of people's conversations, me, myself, and I. I'm going to do this. Hallelujah. And so, this morning, what are we talking about? We're talking about the subject of pride. Pride. And, you know, here's the, one of the biggest problems with pride is it's always with, with the nature of the flesh. You'll never just be delivered from pride. You know, if you ever are in a meeting and they have a, a prayer line for people to be delivered from pride, don't even go up there. <laughs> you know why? Because it's part of the flesh. Now, you don't have to yield to it. See, that's the thing. You learn how to not to yield to it. And you learn how to, to walk in humility and not in pride. And so, who in here, you, you brought your flesh with you today? How about the rest of you? Okay. Um, so, so what's going to happen is this. You're going to have to deal with pride. I'm not saying you have to yield to it. But you're going to have to deal with pride. Just like all the other things of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. The word lust means strong desire. How many know that the the Bible has many different lusts? People just think sexual, but there's all kinds of things. There's there's eating. There's sleeping. There's desires of the flesh that if you take it too far, you know, the Bible talks about the sluggard. It talks about the drunkard. All these things are conditions of the flesh. Amen. And so pride is one of those things. You know, it's interesting when I went to Bible school one of my instructors, he was talking because he, he taught a course uh, on submission and authority. So during that course, he would talk about pride and humility. And he said person after person would come to him after he would begin to teach these things and say, You know what, brother so-and-so? Ever since I've been in your class, I've been having a lot of problems with pride. He said, I've never had any problems with pride. And then he told him, he said you don't have any trouble with what you yield to. Is that true? You don't have any trouble with overeating if you, if you want to overeat. You don't have any trouble smoking if you're smoking. You don't have any trouble, and I'm just using an example. You don't have any trouble with all kinds of sin if you're yielding to it. But it's when you make a decision, I'm not going to yield to it. I'm not going to have it in my life. Then that's when it's going to cause you some trouble. Now, it was causing you trouble, but it's a, when you make a decision, and one of the biggest things in life is being able to recognize it. The same with pride. I have to learn how to recognize it in myself if I'm going to deal with it. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So, as we said, all of the desires of the flesh, they have to be controlled. Pride is part of the nature of the flesh. But what does, what does the Bible tell us? It tells us to crucify the flesh. It says to mortify the flesh, Colossians three five. It says, "Mortify therefore your members upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry." And he goes on talking about these things. And so, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. But that's all. Many times that's the answer in life is what, crucifying things that are wrong, killing the things. Amen. Let me see if I got any other messages up here. No, this is it. 12, 17, 23. All right, good. The apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9:27. He says, But I keep under my body. Now, now notice he didn't say I keep myself under. What did Paul say? He says, I. Now who is I? That's the real man on the inside, the one that knows God. He says, I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection. Lest that when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway or disapproved. You know, you can be disapproved in life. How many people have been disapproved? So that's why no judgment to anyone. But that's why we have to, to examine ourselves and we have to protect our heart. We have to keep our heart. We have to be on guard. We have to crucify the flesh. Amen. I don't know where that came from, but it's all right. We just put it right back there. I keep under my body, Paul says. So... One of the things we realize is, is if we are always growing in the things of God, then there's going to be times where we're, all, we're always dealing with things in our life. We're always crucifying the flesh. We're always letting the Lord um, check us about things. I like what I heard one minister say one time. He said, you know, as we're growing in the things of God, there are certain things that you'll be saying no to. There are certain thoughts that you'll be saying no to. That's a good sign that you're growing. There's certain things that you'll say, no, I can't say that anymore. Amen. You know, there's certain things that that you just grow up and and people say that are just habit. It's just the way they grow up. But you begin to, to check yourself and you begin to say, no, I can't say that anymore. I don't believe that. Paul said, I die daily. And so with pride comes this... Self-dependence. So I want to look at the origins of pride this morning. And and, um, we got a lot of scripture, so let's believe God. Believe God with me that, that we say what needs to be said. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 28. You know, it's not all up to the minister what's said. You know, people, people have to draw from the anointing. Ezekiel 28, verse 15. We'll give you just a moment to page 1023. I'm going to start with verse 14. Ezekiel 28, 14 says this. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now, who is he talking about? He's talking about Lucifer. Who is Lucifer? Lucifer is the archangel. He's the one that became the devil. God never created the devil. He created Lucifer. And Lucifer became the devil. Notice what he says. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now, this this is something you need to realize. The devil fell when there was no tempter. So he really is a loser. He fell when there was no tempter to tempt him. The Bible says there was iniquity found in him. I don't know how to explain that. But I just know what the Bible says. Iniquity originated with Lucifer. It was found in him. He says, by the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up. Now, I want you to notice all through the Bible, we see this phrase when it talks about pride. It talks about your heart being lifted up. I mean, no, that's not lifted up in a good way. He says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold thee. You remember Jesus telling his disciples, he said, I saw Satan Behold, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. And so he says, um, I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold thee. You have defiled, defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour you and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at you. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be anymore. So when you really study of Lucifer, what he was doing was, in two different words, merchandise and traffic. He was the first trafficker there was. And he's still doing it today. Through people. You know what he was doing? He took what God did, gave him and used it against him. He was merchandising and trafficking the anointing. He said, by the multitude of your, your traffic. And so that's, that's who Satan what is today. Now, turn back to Isaiah chapter 14. And just look at another passage. Isaiah chapter 14, and let's look in verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. You know, when Brother Hagan said when he, he had the experience of going to hell when he was a teenager, he said that he never knew this verse was here until later because he said there was a creature that met him to escort him into hell. And that's what he said here. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirs up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials... The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. See, notice where pride starts. It starts in the heart. I, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So we see five different eyes there, what I'm going to do. I'm this, I'm that. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, everyone in his own house. But you are cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. And as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a the sword. That go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden underfoot. So we see... Talking about Lucifer, the Bible says that where he was, but he rebelled against the most high. And and what he he wanted to do is be greater than God. And so we have to learn how to function in what God's given us and and learn to function in the the anointing. Now, whether you realize it or not, how many know what the Bible says in Romans 11, verse 28-29? I believe it's 1129. He says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Another word for that is irrevocable. So it's actually a twofold thing because what happens is this. The gifts and calling of God without repentance. That means that you can't change God's mind. And he's also not going to change his mind either. Well, you know, God, I think I'd be better doing this. Well, you know, now that I think about it, you know, you're right. I think you would. No, God never made a mistake. He put us in the body of Christ as it has pleased him, the Bible says. So wherever God puts you, that's where you're going to flourish. And there's so much I can say about this. Even our lives, even this church, much of your prosperity is connected to where you're supposed to be planted, where where you're called to be. God is not... Ordained and, and God is not authorized to just bless you to do your own thing. And so that's why we have to get on our face and, say, and cry out and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because that's when God's going to promote the vision. That's when God's going to bring the provision for the vision. Not just my vision of, of grandeur and um, <laughs> of what I want to do. You know, it's, it's like just praying and, and God... You know, I wanna do this, this, and this, and I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. How many of you know that's not gonna work? You need to have God's plan. Have God's plan first. And so we see that what's amazing is is in the end of times, the devil is gonna be displayed for who he is and what's gonna happen. People are gonna look at him and say, Is this the one? Is this the person who has destroyed the nations? I think he's like his size, you know. He's like You know, less than four feet tall. You know, he's just a little devil. Everyone say little devil. devil. Big God. God. Amen. So that's who we know that the enemy is. And, And when we get that revelation, we understand that he's under our feet. That Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. You know... What Jesus did, that's why we always tell people, Jesus died in public, we should receive him in public. Jesus died, he hung on a cross, half clothed in front of everybody. Not—not not, You know, it wasn't done just in a, in, a, in a corner somewhere. It was before all. Now I want you to li- listen to Ezekiel. You don't have to turn there, but Ezekiel 16. So we're talking about protecting our heart from pride. Amen. I know when we talk about these things, it gets really somber, but amen. You may not shout right now, but if you, when you practice it, you'll shout later. Ezekiel 16, verse 45, says this, Thou art thy mother's daughter that loatheth her husband and her children, and thou art the sister of thy sisters which loathe their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. And your elder sister is Samaria. She and her daughters that dwell at thy left hand, and thy younger sister that dwells at thy right hand is Sodom and her daughters. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations. But as if that was a very little thing, thou wast corrupted more than they in all thy ways. As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Now look at verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. How many know what, how many remember Sodom and Gomorrah? How many know what God did to those two cities? How many know that the Bible says that they are uh, an example suffering violence and eternal fire, vengeance and eternal fire? But here's what the Bible says. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So what is one of the, the things it says about Sodom, the iniquity? It, it says pride, abundance of idleness, and also it talks about fullness. Fullness of bread. Now, this is a whole other teaching, but, you know, that's, this is why fasting is good. Because fasting is a way, the Bible says that I humble my soul with fasting. Fasting should be a way that you humble yourself. Why you're you you're pushing it away? You're denying the flesh for a, for a time and a season. You know, whenever you feel like you're getting too big for your britches, I mean, know what I'm saying? Then then a good thing to do is is just to miss a meal, and just humble yourself and say, Lord, I, I just I acknowledge you that you're my Lord, you're my God, you're my everything, and 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 just spend some time worshiping Him. That that's what it is. And so, because here's the thing. It's a lot easier to, to believe lies when you have your, all your needs met, when your belly's full. It's a lot easier to believe lies and be deceived into thinking, you know, that, hey, I did this, and, and you know, yeah, I worked hard, and I did this. See, that's what pride does. <clears throat> but he says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths. So pride, one of the things about pride is, is it's haughty. And, you know, if you look it up, one of, the, one of the words for pride has to do with smoke, as in a smoke screen. You ever heard someone say they're just blowing smoke? What does that mean? It's just pretension. And, and here's the thing. With the things of God, nothing more could hinder us than just just pretending. You know, our worship should not have any bit of pretension. You know, if Sister So and So is running around and and doing cartwheels, I don't have to do that. If that's not in my heart, Amen. If someone's praying a certain way and they're and, and they're they're standing in the, on their head in the corner, I don't have to compare myself and feel unspiritual. I just do what's in my heart. Amen. And and, and whatever you do in your heart, that's what's going to be real. Now, you know. You know, I like to evoke a response, but that's just to wake people up, make sure they're with me. But, you know, I'm going to keep preaching. You know, Rama doesn't have to, like, jump up and jump over three rows. And I know that we had revival. I just, (laughs) you just have to do what's in your own heart and do something. The Bible says that, that Jesus is seeking those, that God the Father is seeking those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what's the opposite of that? In the flesh and with falseness or with pretension. So any bit of pretension in your life is going to be a, a wall between you and the Lord. So we don't want any of that. And so that's why we, we have to eliminate pride out of our out of our life. So I want you to just look at in a couple of verses here in the book of Proverbs, talking about pride. Amen. We have to. In, in protecting our heart, the way we protect our heart is we just deal with it when it shows up. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So notice, pride goes what? Before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. Now we see this actually uh, said a few times in the book of Proverbs, but we're just going to read this one. But uh, back over to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Let me tell you what's, what's the opposite of pride. Yes, we know it's humility, but it's hunger for God. It's dependence upon God. How many think that's important in our lives? We have to be dependent upon Him for our every breath. We Actually, whether you know it or not, you are dependent upon Him for your every breath. So Proverbs 8 verse 12 says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Amen. I'm claiming that one for myself. I mean, when you have witty inventions, Amen. I'm not just saying you're set for life, but Um, that's what God wants is for his people to have witty inventions, to, to invent things and to, to have control over things. And, and I know I'm preaching 12 different messages this morning, but that's why we, God wants his people to have abundance because when his people have abundance, you have options and then God can be in control in that area. You know, people say, well, you know, God is in control. Only when His people are in control. And so God wants His people to have things. That way we will do with it what He tells us to do. And so verse 13 says this, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What's evil? Pride and arrogancy and the evil way. and the froward mouth do I hate. So the fear of the Lord... You know, it tells us that it's the beginning of wisdom in other places. And that's to hate pride and arrogancy and the evil way. Now just skip back a page in Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Now that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? The Lord actually hates this. Seven are an abomination to Him. Number one is a proud look. (laughs) Now... That's why I even like I'm gonna pick on, on Logan for a minute, but like the classic example is like he he did like an expression. Now, if you I don't know if you know who, uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He has this this look on his face, and that's to me that's just the the proud look, just where you just kind of turn your turn your eyes a certain way. What does God think about that? And I'm not just picking on Dwayne. I pray he's saved, but. Um, <laughs> But but when you have that, what does God think about you? He hates that. A proud look. Now He loves you still. But there's another verse over in Psalm 138. It it says this: the proud He knows afar off. So so God's kind of holding you like like at arm's length. Like you ever you ever taking something really nasty outside? Maybe it was a something that was you forgot it was in the back of the fridge and you were cleaning and it fell like behind the, between the the two drawers and it fell back in the back and you realize, oh man. And you hold it like this, walking out. And you just turn your head. Well, that's the way God sees us and responds when we walk in pride. Even, yeah, he loves us. Yes, we're his children, but we stink at that moment. (laughs) So, he says, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So I want you to turn over to, to Daniel chapter 4 just for a moment. I know we get you in the Old Testament a little bit today. But how I many know we, we need the Old Testament? Daniel chapter 4. Now, this is the, the account of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was the king, but how many remember, he, um, it didn't turn out so good for him at one point. The Bible says he became like an ox. He was eating grass. So let's look over in Daniel chapter 4. That's a... Now I'll begin reading. In verse 29, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace. Now, this is talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. In the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spoke and said, now listen listen to the language here. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Now, how many remember right before this, uh, 12 months before this, is when he had a dream. And he's asking for someone to interpret the dream. And so, you know, just because something is prophesied or you have a dream doesn't mean it's going to happen the next day. (laughs) That would be no need for our patience, wouldn't, wouldn't it? That's why the Bible tells us by faith and patience. Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac. So, you know, Isaac was laughter. It, you, you're going to have to have some laughter and some joy. Sometimes <laughs> to endure to get your promise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why with joy you draw from the wells of salvation. So at the end of 12 months, he, and then um, verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. So while he's even speaking this and saying, hey, is it not because of who I am? He said, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomsoever he wills. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven. Now so see, this is the opposite of pride. This is what the humble man shall do. This is what we, we have to do. He lifted up his eyes unto heaven and the Bible says my understanding returned unto me. One thing I want you to notice pride does two things. It will blind you and it will bind you to the truth. And so he said I looked up and my understanding returned unto me and I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him that lived forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. Now think about this. He lost everything. But he even got his kingdom back. He got his mind back. And he says, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me. See, all of that is, is from the Lord, and it's, it's from humility. And you acknowledge in him that, Lord, everything that I have, my brightness, my keenness, my, my understanding, all the wisdom I have, it all comes from you. Hallelujah. See, that's your safety in life. That's your safety, and that you'll never lose your mind. You know, losing your mind is actually part of the curse of the law. In fact, I think you should just say that with me. I will never lose my mind. Amen. I like the two nevers, that's good. And he says, his brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Look at the verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. No one knew that better than Nebuchadnezzar. He knew the, the honor of God. He knew the majesty of God. But he said, I know that those that walk in pride and trust in themselves, he said, God is able to bring them down. What does, what does the scripture say? He that exalts himself shall be a base. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God is not opposed to you being exalted. In fact, God wants the church to be exalted. Because why? He's not going to put you as a light under a bushel somewhere. He's going to put you where the, the world can see you. He, the, where people can see, oh man, that, that Dylan, he's a man of God. That John, he's a man of God. Yeah. Gilly, he's a man of God. And all the ladies in here too. You know, every person here, people will see you on the job. They'll see you in your place of business and, and they'll recognize the anointing. Yeah. But here's the thing. What God is opposed is uh, us exalting ourselves. He wants to do it in his time and in his way. Yeah. In fact, the Bible says due season. And due season is almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. Amen. And so, um, when we look over real quickly in the next chapter, this happened with Nebuchadnezzar's dad, I mean, son as well. And um, we see that um, Belshazzar, And we see here in verse 17, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, because he, he wanted the uh, interpretation, the handwriting on the wall. You know, we say that sometimes, but here's the original handwriting on the wall. <laughs> Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be to yourself and give thy rewards to another. I like what one minister said, the Lord dealt with him and, and said, make no charge for your ministry. Amen. We do what we do because the Lord's told us to. You can't buy us and, and save, you know, uh, because, you know, people, people have done this well, like with kids that had polio and different things in the healing revival and would offer great sums of money. Like Brother Hagan said, one guy came up and just had a wad of cash like this. He said, put your money away. He said, I'll pray for the child, but put your money away. Amen. Or I won't pray. (laughs) And that's, you know, we even see that in the law. The Bible talks about that that priests and ministers should hate covetousness. Well, if it's true for them, how about the rest of the people? (laughs) Amen. It should be for every person that we hate covetousness. Now, that doesn't mean that you're hating abundance, but covetousness in the way you get it and so he says O thou, thou king the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor now you would think he would learn from dad you know dad went out and was eating grass for I mean he wasn't smoking grass but he was eating grass but uh, you know I would think that's just as bad or worse if you're eating it amen you know what happened to him well you know he's smoking weed what happened to him he was eating it well <laughs> That's, that's just as bad. So he says here, he says, and for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, whom he, would he slew. So he decided who was going to live and who was going to die. How I many you know that would bring some pride to you as well? You know, that I'm, I'm the man. And, and what I say happened. But look in verse 20. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride. See, that's what pride does. It hardens your mind. It, it takes an otherwise smart person and makes them dumb. <coughs> you know, I'm reading scripture. And he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And you, thou his son, O Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. How many think, when you know something, I would rather learn from the mistakes of someone else. He said, but you've lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine in them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, you have not glorified. What's he saying? You you've acknowledged and you've praised all these idols but you haven't acknowledged me. See, that's why we start our our, our service with praise and worship. Because it's a time of acknowledging him. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And it talks about how you were found wanting, and and basically you're about to die, and he did die that night. And it was taken from him. So, what does the Bible tell us when we read these things? Now, now I'm going to just give you a couple of verses here about what are the effects of pride. If you, when you're walking in pride, listen. To Proverbs 11:2 says this: When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Do you want wisdom in life? Then you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Proverbs 15:25 says this: The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. That's pretty serious but he will establish the border of the widow. So one of the things about pride, though, is always looking to itself. And we have to guard this all the time. You know, many times you'll talk to people about coming to church or the things of God. Well, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't need anything. You know, if people, here's the thing. If people have a little bit of money, and they have their rent, and they have their cable, they're okay, and they're Starbucks. They're they're okay. You know, I don't need anything else. But I want you to listen to what what Jesus said in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. He says this in verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and increase with goods and I have need of nothing. And you know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, it's bad to be wrong. It's, it's, it's like deception. The, the bad thing about it is you don't know that you are. He says, I counsel you to buy of me gold in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That word repent means to change your mind, change your purpose. Do a, do a, a 180. You, you, you were going this way. Now, Lord, I'm going to go this way. Paul the Apostle saw he was. He was going, and he was persecuting Christians. Now he's going to make Christians. He's going to make people uh, disciples of the Lord. So he did a total change. And so one of the things that we always have to realize is this. Just like I said, the the problem with um, deceptions, you don't know you are. One of the biggest things is you have to recognize pride. And I'm not going to to a whole discourse on this, but I'm just going to give you one thing here. Pride speaks of itself. How do you recognize pride? Pride always speaks of itself. Listen to what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 7. <clears throat> he says this. In verse 18. Oh, wrong chapter, sorry. Well, let let me just go up a couple of verses. Verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught, And the Jews marveled saying, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? So Jesus didn't have necessarily the education that they had and the training they had. But they they were impressed because the Bible said he spoke with authority. He spoke with, with wisdom. And they're asking, they're saying, how does he know this? How does how, how he get in this revelation? So how many are, are looking at the verse? And Jesus says, you got to burn the midnight oil. You got to study. When you boys were, were pray, playing, I was praying. Burning the midnight oil. Why? Because that's how pride talks. It doesn't want to acknowledge that, that someone gave me what I've got. It doesn't want to acknowledge that there's someone that's giving me my every breath today. There's there's someone that that is is sustaining me on a daily moment, in a daily basis. That there's someone that has a say-so in my life. See, the pride of man doesn't want to acknowledge that. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, other translations say the love for the Father is not in them for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life it's not of the father but is of the world and what is it going to say and the world passes away and the lust thereof but he that does the will of God shall abide forever so all those things are going to pass away the pride of man our accomplishments what we thought we you know i just want to be known you know for the you know some people For the accolades of men will do crazy stuff, but end up dying in the process. So Jesus, but notice what Jesus said. He answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So one of the greatest indicators of pride is just examining yourself. Because I'm not saying that every time you use the word I, that it's pride. But a lot of times it can be. What we know. Where we've been. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and maybe they had the same experience as you did? And they got to tell it. They got to they tell. They, they can't keep quiet. You know, they can't be silent on that one. Why? Because that's, that's pride. Can you just bite your lip and be quiet? Amen. I'm not thinking of any person in here when I'm talking about this. Amen. So pride actually speaks of itself. Just give me like 10 more minutes. Pride speaks of itself as number one, as a source or as a subject. So you're the source of the speaking. Or whatever you're speaking of, you're the subject. Amen. It's all about me. We used to sing the song, it's all about you, talking about Jesus. It's all about me. Dun, dun. It's all about me. It's not all about me. It's about Jesus. So many times we have to just ask ourselves the question, why am I telling people this? If we, if we were honest with ourselves, we're trying to impress people. With what we know, with what we've been. Now, I'm not saying that you, you're, you're just silent all the time and you say nothing. But just, it, there's a balance in this area. And so, don't just try to impress people, but be an impressive person. Don't be, try to impress people with, with what, you, what you have, but just be an impressive person. You know, it's like, I heard, a uh, he's actually a minister, but he was saying this. He's talking about everyone knows what the pride of life is. He said, you know, when he, he said he knew when he was 15 years old, he had caritis on the brain, you know. You know, he, he dreamed of ways to, to fix his car up, and he had caritis. That's what I'm saying. Caritis on the brain, you know. He, he, he thought of, anyway, he said he cleaned his car, he would fix parts. He would, you know, for hours he would just do stuff and, and the, working on the chrome of the, the engine and stuff. And, um... And the wheels and everything, and so anyway, he said. So, he said you on Friday night he'd get out there, and uh, he have his car all cleaned up. He said, and of course, then you you know you go work out a little bit and get your arms you know ready. And he said you wear a t-shirt and you, you roll roll it back a little bit. He said you get up to, up there to the town square, you know, and and uh, where all the people are at. And he said, but you don't look ahead. I mean, you don't look around. He said you just look straight back. You kind of slide back in your seat, rev the car up. Vroom, vroom, vroom. He said, you just keep looking straight ahead. He said, what is that? That's the pride of life. He said, what are you thinking? He said, you wanted the guys to say, man, that's a cool car. And you wanted the girls to say, oh, that's a cool looking dude there, you know? <laughs> that's, that's the pride of life. Amen. How I many know? None of us are immune to that. You never get to a place where you're just so sanctified. You know, brother, I'm just never tempted to do that because, you know, I'm just really sanctified. You, you really want to see how sanctified those people are, don't you? You know, you just want to, like, just knock them over and see how, how sanctified they are, you know. Amen. They'll get, the flesh might get riled up really quick. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what is our responsibility? My responsibility today is this, to learn what pride is, learn how to identify. We could we could really spend three or four weeks on this one subject, but what I have to do is learn what it is, learn how to identify it in me, learn when I'm speaking about myself, learn when, it, when I'm just trying to talk about myself, learning what, when I try to take the credit for things, you know. Learning to, to, that's one of the things about the grace of God. A lot of times what a grace of God is, is something that you find real easy to do in life. But it's actually God's grace upon you. Maybe you're good with numbers. Maybe you're good with math. Maybe you're good with, um, I was working with someone yesterday and they said, said, boy, you're good, you like numbers, don't you? And I said, well, I said, you learn them after a while and you, you, you like numbers and stuff. But that's the grace of God, you know. There's there's lots of things because you know there's some people that can't stand numbers and math. Yeah. I remember growing up, my mom said that my she she her mother was an English teacher, so she of course liked English too, and my mom did, and so my grandmother being an English teacher. But uh, how many remember when you would diagram sentences? Anyone remember that in English? Well, there was one time my bro my brother brought some homework and my dad looked at it and said, "Oh, it looks good." My mom said every one of them was wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> she liked it, but my dad just kind of casually, "Oh, it looks okay, you know. It looks like you're in <laughs> look like you're in the lines there, but the subject was probably on this side and the verb was down here and it's supposed to be over here, you know. All that good stuff. But we have to learn how to identify it and then learn by the grace of God to get it out of us. So, My prayer is that God would begin to show you areas of pride. And when you begin to see it, that's a good thing. Because if you don't see it, you can't deal with it. Now, it it may make you angry. It may nauseate you. But at least if you see it, then you can deal with it and get it out of you. And begin just to humble yourself on a daily basis. Even in your prayer life, even... In in your daily goings, acknowledging the Lord in all your ways. I'm going to give you one last verse here in, in the book of James. I'm not in a hurry to leave, by the way, but when I say that. <laughs> amen. Some people, are, they get dressed and they come to church and they're ready to leave already. But amen, it's a lot to, to get to a church service. But listen to what James said here in verse uh, number 6. James chapter 4. He says, but he gives more grace. Thank God for grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Notice that part of that submission to god that always becomes before you resist in the enemy you'll never be able to resist the devil if you're disobeying god he'll just laugh at you see what a lot of times people submit to the devil and they resist god but submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil he will flee from you draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, who does the Bible always tell us that is supposed to submit? It tells us, or or, um, humble themselves? It tells us to, not your neighbor. Well, I want God to humble me. Well, if God humbled you, he would have to humiliate you. And God's not interested in that. That's why, you know, it's foolish when people say this on social media or wherever they say it. Well, you know, only God judges me. What does that mean? That means like, you know, mind your own business. Don't, don't tell me what to do. But, you know, I don't, I don't like that statement because I don't want God judging me. You don't want God's judging you. You want to do what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians when, when Paul is talking about uh, us receiving communion. He says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Amen. So that means if you have unforgiveness to somebody, you judge yourself and you make it right. If you have pride, you judge yourself and say, that's pride and I don't want it in my life. Lord, help me. I repent of that. Amen. And you judge yourself in, in, in every area. And the Bible says, and if we would do that, we shall not be judged. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. How many think it's good not to be judged? That's why the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to protect my heart this week. And the rest of, your, uh, of our life. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands and just praise Him for a moment. Lord, we just worship You. We magnify You. We thank You. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word and Your Spirit. Lord, we just thank You right now. Lord, that the humble heart shall be exalted. And we just humble ourselves before You. We magnify you. We bless you. Well, the Lord is good. You know, something, I just want to say this. You know, one of the things that people think, they have a false notion about humility. And they think that being humble is just denying the praise that they feel like they actually deserve. You ever notice this? People feel like, well, yeah, I really did do a good job, and yeah, I thought, you know, I was pretty smart on that, and I was this and that, but you know, I'm going to be humble. You know, no, it it wasn't me. But yet, at the same time, they reek of pride. Pride is, humility is not just you denying it, like, yeah, I really do deserve that praise, but I'm not, here, you take it. No. (laughs) That's not walking in reality. Humility is is recognizing that, hey, I don't deserve anything. You know, you ever hear people say this? What what did I ever do to deserve that? Why did that happen? What did I do? A lot. We don't get by by what we deserve. If we got by what we deserve, every one of us would deserve to die, to be broke, to, to be... In poverty, to die of sickness, and go to hell. But thank God I'm not going by what I deserve. I deserve nothing but death. But see, that's where grace comes in. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And you know, uh, here's a great key to, in connection with humility, is thanksgiving. Take the time to read Romans chapter one. I know in, in churches, that's a forbidden for, um, passage in certain parts of the, of the world. If you talk about those passages, you know, you're a bigot or you're this or that, you know, and you're, you're, you're not racist, but you're, you're prejudiced, you know, and, and different things. I mean, know the Bible still is true. But you know, when it talks about people's foolish hearts were darkened, just like Nebuchadnezzar. It said their foolish heart was darkened. It said, and they were not thankful. And, and it said God gave them up to defile themselves, men with men, women with women. And it said that their, their, their heart was darkened. And so that, that's a good key to me, living thanksgiving. If you want to stay right with God, if you want to stay with your mind sharp, your mind uh, strong, then give Him all the glory give him all the praise. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Take a little joy with the medicine today. <laughs> I mean, you know that that you know you need something sweet to, with the medicine, you know, to go down sometimes. You know, that's that's what joy is. God's Holy Ghost anesthetic. You know, people wonder, like, you know, what we do is very serious. I mean, we're talking about for all eternity, forever and ever. And so, how many know that, that when you do things that are real serious, you need to have some joy with it? Amen. It's not just some superficial hilarity on the outside. You know, even even when when joy, even like Pastor our Pastor says, you know, he said there's nothing. People that would come in from the outside and they said, well, nothing really was funny. Well, see, it's not. It's not something. It's not an amusement of the mind, but it's joy in the heart. And guess what? You have to yield to that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.